for today, um, for right now. But uh, we're, we're in um, this Jonah study. Uh, it's been pretty cool from the very beginning to, uh, to just see snippet by snippet how his story has went and how God has worked through, um, through him, even in like rebellion and running away and like just pretty much messing up across the board, but how God still is telling the story of redemption through this um, kind of would-be prophet. Um, so I'm excited to look at this again a little more today, but um, before we jump in, how many of y'all were involved in the remix this weekend? Got a lot of, got of things. Cool. Awesome. I'm glad to see that. Um, uh, that's something, um, remix is not something that we necessarily do every year. A lot of times we go away for the weekend, um, but it was, it was super cool to be able to do that and just want to if you didn't get a chance to do that, um, definitely ask about it, and some of the things that were learned and talked about uh, would be really cool to, to check in on. Um, and we'll be doing things like that in the future, you know, as we as we get through the year. Um, if you want to take notes today, um, or like kind of follow along, we do use Uversion, um, and so we have an event on Uversion that has some of the notes to, to follow along with. Um, so... Aaron and I were having a discussion the other day, my wife Erin, um, if you haven't met her, she's back there, and she's awesome. Um, we were having a discussion the other day, and I was, I was kind of laying out, like, uh, some things that I felt like I needed to work on um, in marriage um, and just in life kind of deal, and, and she was like, are you thinking about these things because you're doing premarital counseling with people right now? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so every now and then I, I get to get the opportunity to, you know, marry a couple, and um, we're doing that right now. And, I, and it really was true. Like I, I'm going through all these questions with with this couple, and and talking through like, hey, here's some conflicts that could come. Here, here's some ways that uh, you could communicate better, or like that kind of stuff. And the whole time I'm thinking like, man, it's been like 13 years, and. I still need to do some work, you know, kind of deal. Um, and, and it was, it was true. Uh, looking at, looking at that brought me back to this place of like, okay, here's some things I need to work on as a, as a husband and a father and, and just a person as a follower of Jesus. Um, so what she pointed out was totally true. And whenever I'm like faced with talking through potential conflicts um, with these soon to be married couples, I'm, I'm quickly reminded of my own goals and my own failings in those goals. Um, I, and I hope that, uh, the hope is that I don't just like talk the talk in those situations, uh, in those sessions that I'm having with people, but I'm, I'm also making the edits to my own life um, that, that mimic those things that I'm encouraging them in uh, when I'm faced with those things. Something I'm, I'm constantly confronted with uh, when it comes to this book of Jonah that we've been going through um, is this idea that, that, like I shared from the very first time that I taught, and what that was, was that as we look at Jonah, um, we're invited in this to, to take a cold, hard look at our own lives. Um, I, I am um, I'm guilty of reading Jonah and being like, man, this guy is terrible, you know, and he is. Let's be clear, like Jonah is a horrible prophet. Uh, like he, he just, he gets it all wrong and somehow God still works through him, which is cool. Um, but to just take that tact and like to point the finger at Jonah is like really missing the point in a lot of ways. Um, because I think what, it, what we need to look at is like most of the story, we need to look and be like, 
man, I am Jonah. I am Jonah, straight up, and I am the exact same way. Um, and, and I think today, as we look at this, we get, we get a few different entities, um, one being Jonah, who we've been following the whole time, um, but we also have this kind of uh, larger group uh, entity of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh. And at some point, you know, we see the king particularly talked about, but, but they're kind of like all in one group is just like this entity. Um, and I think, you know, a spoiler for later, but we, we need to look at, as we're reading this, like, am I Jonah in this situation? Or am I, am I Nineveh? How do I need to respond like one of these people? Um, and, and that's a good way to read through this. Um, you know, taking this cold, hard look at our own lives and seeing where we've been disobedient, where we need grace, where we've even been, like, belligerent to God, um, and watching out for that. Um, has anyone heard about uh, Disney princess theology lately? That's, like, a new thing. No? Um, I, I'm not, like, an expert, but the idea is, like, we have this tendency to look at Scripture and, like, think we're the good guy kind of thing. Like, oh, all these people need this stuff, whereas maybe that's not, there, there's no room for that in Jonah's story at all. Like, we have to look at ourselves and be like, I am Jonah. I am Nineveh. I need the grace of God in my life. And, and we definitely need to look at that today. Um, we can and should absolutely apply this to our own lives, but, but we're, we're not the good guys in the story. Um, we're the ones that need grace. We're the ones that have rebelled. We're the ones that need to humble ourselves. Um, we're the prophet that runs in the other direction. We are the prophet that needs humility. We're, we're the city that needs to be changed. We're the city that needs those words. Um, so when we look at the, at the book of Jonah and the city of Nineveh today, remember that. Remember that as we're reading through. Um, remember to look at these people and ask, who am I in this story? Like, where do I fit in, in this? What do I need to do to turn more Godward in my life? like to, to point that direction more towards him with, with the, just the trajectory of life. Um, I'm excited to get into this part of the account of Jonah because we finally um, get to see Jonah do what he was called to do, uh, which is pretty cool. But we also get to see God's heart um, for people in, in a major way. And we've seen that little by little as he's like slowly, not always slowly, sometimes it's like getting swallowed by fish, but like hurting Jonah in the right direction, you know, but he's doing that with grace and compassion when it could have been just like lights out for Jonah. Um, but we finally get to see God's heart when it comes to these, this, this people, this Nineveh, the city of Nineveh. Um, and we get to see a proper response to the call to repentance, and, and we can mimic how um, that goes, how things go as the story unfolds. Uh, so I want to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to just jump into Jonah 3, um, today and read a little bit, uh, 3, 3 through 10. So why don't you pray with me? Um, Father, we love you. Um, thank you. Thank you for um, just the truth of the, the things that we sang to you, um, these things about um, your reckless, seemingly reckless love. Like to us, it's a, it's a reckless thing to lay down your life for people in rebellion, um, but that was part of your plan, Jesus, uh, and you, you did that full knowing that you were laying down your life, but you would take it up again, 
Um, thank you for um, just the ability to say, God, we're here for you. Um, we're not here for ourselves. We're not here for uh, anything but to bring you praise. And that we have the ability to come in to a space and come before you and sing um, is an amazing thing. God of the universe who hears our songs. Um, so we, we praise you. And Father, I just uh, I ask you to speak now um, as we look at Jonah. Um, help us not to be too hard on ourselves, but also to understand, like, where do we need change? Where do we need your work in our lives to bring us closer to you, to move us into that path that you have for us? So I, I just pray that, God, that you, you help us um, and you teach us and you help us to go from here and be your church, um, be people who bring kingdom where we go, um, a people who have a message that could change the world. Um, so we just give that to you and ask you to move today. Amen. All right, so looking at Jonah 3, um, starting in verse 3, uh, he, or it, it, it says this, um, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. That's a first. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. We've So far, it's been God called him to Nineveh. He ran. He got on a ship. The storm came. He realized the only way that, the, the only way that he could see that was going to stop this storm from capsizing the ship was for him to be thrown overboard, but God provided the fish. He got spit up on dry land uh, at this point after three days in the belly, and now we're at this point where he's like, I surrender, <laughs> I surrender. Um, so he obeys the word of the Lord, and he goes to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go fully through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Um, so as the story unfolds, we, we finally get to see Jonah play the role of the prophet. The prophet's someone who declares truth. That's what they do. Um, they declare the word of the Lord. And finally, Jonah is there declaring the word of the Lord to Nineveh, what he was called to do. Um, in Jonah 1.1, we read, um, you know, right at the beginning, he's like, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Um, and I think, I know Ben spoke into this when he taught the very first Sunday. Um, you know, we're not, we're not told in that, we get to hear a little bit later um, more about what was going on in Nineveh. We're not told exactly when, when he's called to, to preach to them, like, what is this wickedness that goes up before God? Um, we know from like biblical accounts that, that Assyria was known um, like to worship false gods. Um, they had a, a notion of being unstoppable that led to this like just massive cultural arrogance that they had um, as, as a people and as a kingdom, uh, as an empire. Um, historically, you know, we can look back at like things that we know and we see that like Assyria was savage, like not, not in like a, they weren't primitive, but they were like cruel they were a cruel people that terrified the nations around them. And if Assyria was coming after you, you better 
you better figure out a way to not die, like, because they were going to, they were going to kill you. Um, so, uh, that's kind of the stuff we know, and they were unjust in their dealings with each other, with nations around them, all these things. These are, like, things that we know historically and biblically about Assyria. We can see why, like, maybe Jonah didn't want to go there um, because of this, maybe fear, maybe hatred, you know, whatever that is. Um, but there's this wickedness that's come up before God that Jonah is finally confronting there. And, you know, whether it was, like, something very specific about their culture, their, their, their um, sin, whether, or whether it was, like, just kind of the sum of all parts, um, we're not necessarily told there. We're going to hear a little bit later about that. But what we do know is that God didn't stand far off from this. This wasn't something that he was just aloof from. And I think there's like a really, um, to me, that's an encouraging thing. You know, even though this is like, there's this whole idea of like the wrath of God being poured out on sin. There's something really encouraging to me about the fact that God doesn't stand far off, aloof, cold, and distant from us, from, from the situations of the world. Um, there are plenty of places in our world today where the wickedness is coming up before the Lord. And he sees that. There, there's, there's a, there's a uh, subtle promise in that, that God is one who sees and hears and responds to these things. He sees and engages the world. So now we have Jonah finally giving this proclamation, and it's super simple. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Um, this feels a little half-hearted to me, but he's doing the job. It's what, what God called him to do. He said, go preach against it. So Jonah is mustering what he can, and he's saying, 40 more days, and this place is going to be overthrown by God. Um, he's finally being obedient and sharing what God has called him to do. And, and what do we see as their response? Uh, going into verse 5 now, there's no delay in what we see happening. The Ninevites believed God. He goes and finally goes and speaks the message, and the response is not scoffing, it's not mocking, it's not throwing him in jail, it's not kicking him out of town or killing him, it's not ignoring him. They believe God. This pagan nation known for their cruelty and unjustness and violence believe that message we're going to be overthrown because of our wickedness. He goes on to say, a fast was proclaimed. Um, this is like the uh, not eating for a time um, to show humility and like supplication. Uh, so this fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth. This is like this, this act of mourning and humility that they put on. It's like a like, you ever see, like, big coffee bags? You guys know what sackcloth is? Not comfortable. It's this, it's this, like, act of humility and, like, please have mercy on us kind of situation. When, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. Um, remember that culturally, like, arrogance was in, was a, was a high point, <laughs> arrogance and like, we are the best, we are the greatest. But this king, the greatest in this culture of the great, 
gets down in the dust and humbles himself because of the words of Jonah. He says, this is the, the proclamation that he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, uh, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And we get, a, get to see a little bit more specific things here. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. They believed God. They, they heard the message. They believed it. They took note of the truth of it surrounding them. And they took the way of humility. Like even to the point of not letting their cattle drink, which I think is crazy. But like they, they called this fast across the entire city in this act of humility. And they're like, we're going to put away our evil deeds. We have to do this. Everyone from the king to the servant wore sackcloth, humbling themselves. They, they're fasting, humbling themselves. They called on God, this act of humility and trust in him and in what they've heard about him. Um, they would have probably known, being a neighbor to Israel, this idea of the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, and all these promises that have been given about Yahweh about God. They committed to repentance. This is another act of humility. Um, these people could have brushed it off very easily. I think they could have just not paid attention to the like semi-moldy-smelling guy who got spit up on the beach, you know, like does not look very good walking through town saying, this place is going to be destroyed. And like, you need a bath and some clothes. Um, they could have just passed on, but instead they listen. They chose to acknowledge the fact that they were in the wrong. They acknowledged the evil ways, they acknowledged the violence in their lives and culture, and they repented with humility. And God responds. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, the Ninevites, what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. He did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. He relented. I love that word. He relented. And it's that word that, like, the king in that edict is like, who knows? Maybe this God will relent. And our book here of Jonah says, He did. He relented. So, what do we learn about God in this? We learn that He is willing to relent in the situation. I think that, that is extremely important. He's willing to change his mind regarding punishment. He is the God that relents. Um, there's another prophet, Joel. Um, it's a great book. There's a ton of like, a ton of New Testament just scriptures and, and things that are said in the New Testament that point back to the book of Joel. Um, but he says this, Joel says this in the uh, second chapter of that, of that prophet, of that uh, prophetic letter. Um, in 2.11. It says, The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and, the mighty is the, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? There's this like, idea of just like wrath and like terror in this. But then he goes on to say, 
the Lord goes on to say, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not simply your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, he's abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Joel, he's, he's giving this call like to God's people um, in this. But this is the, the character of the God that we serve. This, this God that, that, that relents in wrath, who is gracious and compassionate, who, who is slow to anger and, and loves to love his people. The Lord is the one that relents. And we ultimately see, see this goodness and this mercy, you know, play out. We just, we just did communion together. We, we spent that time reflecting on what Jesus did, and we see that play out, that goodness and that mercy and that grace. We see that play out through the person of Jesus and, like, coming in the flesh, living life, like, dealing with all of that and, and knowingly going to the cross for our sake. We see God play that out. Um, that he is gracious and compassionate, that he is one who relents. Um, because, because God is holy and just, punishment is, is required. It's just part of that. Like sin is, is um, opposite. It's not able to be in like the presence of, of the holiness. And there has to be wrath poured out against that because of that. But God in this great act of compassion, um, along with his son, our Christ, Jesus goes to the cross and he takes this punishment on himself, making it possible for the wrath of God to be like, not on us. God relents. This is the, our God. This is who relents. And Jesus takes that wrath. The Lord our God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, abounding in love, and willing to relent. Um, what's required of us is, I love that thing from Joel, is this like rending of the heart. It's like rend your hearts, not just your garments. Um, I, I don't know, a lot of you may know this, but um, like the culture of the time, and there's cultures today that would do this as well. Um, and I, I feel like I could see thought about this a lot lately, and I feel like it's kind of it's kind of strange to us, maybe, but it's also, I wonder if there's, like, something very uh, therapeutic about this idea, but um, this idea of, like, rending your garments. You know, we see this in Bible times. So, someone's, like, great grief. Uh, a good example would be Job. If you read the book of Job, in, like, the very first chapter, um, he loses, like, all of his belongings, like, all of his, his livestock gets either stolen or killed, and then he loses his, all of his children. All of his children die. And all of his ser- most of his servants are put to death also. Um, people attack them. So he loses everything. Like, it's him and his wife. That's all they have left. They've lost everything. And he, like, rips his robe. Like, he just, like, tears it and sits down in the dust and praises God in spite of all this stuff. But, but there's this act of, like, rending. And, and what we see in that um, is this like in, in situations of anguish or grief or brokenness, like a person would tear their garment, they would tear their robe 
has this like outward expression of, of emotion and, and even, but also this like act of mourning and humility. Like I'm, I'm undone, you know, and it would be the symbol. Joel calls us in this to have a rent heart, which I know we're not going to like, not literally, which would be a bad situation, but, um, you know, um, but, but what the idea of like, like I'm so undone that like all I have is like, this is just yours to have because I'm done and I, I can't do it without you, Lord, this act of humility before him. So which like entity do you relate to in this story the most? Um, do you, do you, in this like section of Jonah, do you look at these people, you look at Jonah, the, by entities I mean Jonah, or like the people of Nineveh? Um, where are you at? I'm not, like think about this. Like are you in a place of like, all right, it's time to be obedient. It's time to be obedient. Um, or maybe even like deeper, are you in a place of, I have a message that needs to be spoken. Like that, that's kind of the Jonah style. Like maybe you're in that place. Um, or, you know, I think we can definitely be in the place of Nineveh. You know, um, maybe, probably not to the extent of where they're at, but like where, where are you? Are you in a place where it's like, hey, there's some things that like I need to repent of in some pretty major ways. Or like both cases, honestly, everybody across the board is showing humility in this. Jonah finally shows the humility of like, I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to do what he says. These Ninevites are like, we're going to humble ourselves and maybe he will relent. Like where, where do you fall on that? Maybe both. I don't know. Maybe it's I need to repent, humble myself, do some obedience. Like, you know, it's probably all those things. But what, what are you connecting with the most today? Are you like Jonah? Are you like the people of Nineveh? Um, and again, both had to do this specific action to move forward, and that was to humble themselves. Uh, I, I can't speak enough, and I, I probably will never stop talking into, like, humility is so important to walking with God. Like, we, we can't... I, I don't know how we hold on to arrogance and pride. I know, I know how we do, because it's easy to do that, but I don't know. We can't hold on to that and then, like, claim this, like, awesome relationship with Jesus, I don't think. I, think, I don't think those things go hand in hand. Um, and our days now require some humility in some major ways. They had to humble themselves. So my challenge this morning um, is to take a long, hard look at your own life. Like I said at the beginning, um, where have you been disobedient? Where do you need to repent? Um, where do you need to obey? Where do you need to speak like Jonah? And then be willing to take the way of humility um, to like, I'm going to take this path of humility, not of pride, of humility, not of holding on to sin, of humility, not of disobedience. Um, take that path, take that way, agree with God and make a change.
Um, James 4.10, James makes this like super simple statement. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Very simple, very potent. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So my prayer, whether we need to practice obedience more or practice repentance more, is that we would be willing as a people, as a, as a group, as a community, to humble ourselves, to be humble before God, to allow him to work on our lives. Uh, and through these acts of humility, um, have like simple words and actions that come out of us that would change the way that things are in the, the people and the places around us. Um, so let's pray here. Uh, Father, we love you. Um, you are your awesome Lord. You're um, mighty. And I just pray that you speak to us now. Um, help us Help us to not hold on to pride. Um, help us to lay down the things we're holding on to that would be uh, sin against you. Um, if there's like people that you've put in our path that you have, uh, you have words for us to speak to them, I pray that we would be bold enough to do that and obedient in that. Um, and Father, I just pray that um, you'd move in our, our group, that we would be um, just a testimony to you where we are, that we'd bring your kingdom where we go as we walk in humility. Um, so we love you, Jesus, and it's in your name. Amen.